0: Everybody
1: in here? I'm silent. No one's gonna be at this mic. No. Um, so we have a. This one's dead. Okay, <laughs> well Am I starting? Because we're, yeah, we're, we're live. We're, we're happy, happy. we're live. Right. The went. music already went. So, oh. all right. <laughs> well, hey. That was really rude, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to Flipping Off, a purpose-driven podcast about flipping houses and making a difference. Okay, so hey everybody, Uh, it's so funny, as many times as we've been doing these podcasts, we've never had to like restart. And today was our first time. <laughs> we weren't even completely ready. We were messing around and doors were open. And anyway, so this is the first time we've had to start over, which is exciting. I guess that means that we're moving on up. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome, everybody, to the Flippin' Off podcast. Um, I am Melina Boswell, co-founder of New Advisors Club. And today in the studio, I have with me Oscar Solaris. Hello. And I have Mr. Frank Luna.
2: Hello.
1: Tim Wilkinson? Hi. Hi. All right, and then we have Kevin Sito, who is doing the recording. There you go. And Christian Rios is over there on the couch. I don't know why he's on the couch. Why do you get to be on the couch acting like you're working? What are you doing?
2: I told him to sit there.
1: (laughs) Because Frank told him to. Awesome. So, well, guys, today we thought it would be an important and appropriate time to start talking about what's happening in this market. And it's been the most fascinating time for me personally, because I have such a unique and new perspective on what we are experiencing um, in our financial or real estate market. When I say market, I mean either real estate and or financial market, because they are clearly connected with each other. I have a saying uh, (laughs) when I'm teaching my students all the time, I, I... this is words of wisdom. Listen up. It is that banks and women rule the world. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> okay, you're going to act like it's not true. I'll, I'll well, agree I'm with just
2: banks. concerned cuz I'm not a bank or a woman. So. Right.
1: Obviously, that's the whole point.
2: You have to know one.
1: Yeah, you just have to know one. I do know some. There you go. Yeah, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Exactly. So, but today we're not going to be talking about how women rule the world, although we might. But we're really, the, the intention of today is to talk about how the banks um, are really controlling the market. So, if you think back, well, we know this. We know that historically, um, the real estate market uh, goes up and down. That's what it's supposed to do. It goes up and it comes down. That is what it was um, meant to do, what it is meant to do. We were just discussing, like, what is it that makes the market go up and down? And everybody remembers 2008 because uh, so many people lost their shirts during 2008. But I'm more curious at what was happening in 2005, 6, and 7. And I was not educated at that point in time, but I had the instincts to know that something was wrong you know, that it just wasn't working, that it didn't make sense. And so around 2006 is when I started to look closely at what am I going to do when the market crashes? And I don't even think it wasn't, um, it wasn't even that articulate of a, of a conversation in my mind, like, oh, the market is going to crash. And so what will be my next steps? It wasn't that. It was more like this, this gut feeling, knowing that the market isn't going to stay where it is. I didn't feel good uh, emotionally about the market. And so I started looking for different opportunities that I believed would serve me well financially in the market. I can look back now and go, oh, it's because it was getting ready to crash. I just didn't just didn't understand that. Obviously, nobody knew it was going to crash the way that it did, but I could instinctively see that there was something wrong. And so fast forward, I'm feeling the same way. I've been feeling this way for about a year and a half, maybe two years. I haven't felt great about the market. I've believed that the market, the real estate market that we're in, has been a false market in terms of it going up so high. I imagine I'm not the only one that feels that way, but... Um, So then when you look at, when you look at the market historically, when I said it goes up and down, it's 9.75 years. That is the, that is the time where it goes up and it goes down. So that puts us, obviously we look back at 10 years, we're like, oh, 2008, going into 2009, here we are, 18 into 19. So what does that mean? So we started looking at different uh, flags, I guess, or indicators I hate to say this. Market indicators. Gosh, we're that podcast. <laughs> like I never want to be that podcast, but it sounds like we might be. So we were we were discussing what are the indicators, and so, well, Tim, why don't you talk a little bit about what what we were discussing in terms of interest rates and and what we're seeing in loans and that kind of thing.
0: Well, I was going to ask you um, more specifically because back in two thousand five, six, and seven. I mean, if I if I am correct. You were in the mortgage industry at least, right? Yes, During that I was. Time. Mm-hmm. So w- what were some of the things that you saw back then that mm. if you look back now, what are some of the things you saw then that you would attribute to what ended up happening in 2008? And then maybe we can see those same things happening like now.
1: That's great. That almost seems like it was a setup, huh? But it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, that's a really great question. Because the truth is, what I was seeing was people paying too much for homes. That was one of the first things that really bothered me. I saw, um, like, you know, tiny homes that were old and junky that were, you know, $350,000. I can remember specifically there was one property in particular that somebody was trying to refinance with me, and it was this property in Banning, and it was, like, a two-bedroom, one-bath built in, like, the 40s or something, and they owed or they bought it for $360,000, And I just remember going, it's out of control. So that was the first thing I saw market, you know, the prices of housing just absurd. And the second thing was that I had so many of my clients that were refinancing, uh, getting out of loans and then taking cash out and paying off existing loans. And which was fine earlier in the market. But when we got into 2006, 2005, 2006, people were refinancing not once, not twice, sometimes three times. And they just kept on taking more and more cash out. And they were getting these loans that, that made no sense. You know, they would get these, these neg-am loans, or we call them um, the pick-a-payment, like where you could literally have four options of a payment to make on your mortgage. So you could have an interest-only payment. You could have a 15-year payment. You could have a 30-year payment. Or you could have, my favorite, the neg-am payment, which was had an interest rate of like 1.2% so the real interest rate was like 8% but you only had to make a payment of 1% so technically 7% was going on the end of the loan so every every month people would and you know what do you think people did they chose the lower payment they chose that you know that tiny payment so what was happening was every month there was money being added on to the end of their loan right so it it was like do you realize what you're doing your mortgage is going up every month like that's worse than paying rent <laughs> Right, because <laughs> you're going into debt every single month. It made no sense to me,
0: but I so. can afford the payment <laughs> right. And yeah. I could have this house that I is beautiful that right. I couldn't afford it if I didn't do this.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly what was happening. So that's the answer. So do we see that now?
0: <laughs> I think there's some things that we see for sure. Um, we didn't necessarily over the last year or so, we haven't seen negative amortization type loans that that hasn't happened. Uh, yet, <laughs> but um we uh, we do see people buying houses that they can't necessarily afford. Um, we have seen in this just to kind of repeat things that I've heard you say, is that um what we've seen is the market going up, but people aren't making more money, right. So there's the houses are going up in price, but people aren't making the money that they income. That, yeah, they're not making the income increase that would justify
1: an increase in property. Right, right. And so, yeah, were you going to add something to that, Oscar? Yeah, I think we're
2: also seeing some new, um, about a year ago, I think they started to do some of those, I'll call them funky loans for now, mm-hmm. but funny money. Yeah, you know, where people could really qualify for a house that they shouldn't qualify for again. Mm-hmm right and <laughs> so I, i'm not saying that they're stated income like they used to be or anything like that but well there is but there is <laughs> they just don't call it that anymore uh-huh. right
1: what do they call it i,
2: I forget what, the, what term they're using but it's it's no longer stated income but essentially you're telling them this is what i make <laughs> and i might be able to prove it but i don't know if i can or not oh it's okay don't worry about it just sign here right mm. so those things are starting to, to spin up again mm. uh, and it's been over the last 12 months at least mm-hmm. where you see some of those products coming out
1: Mm-hmm. So, right? So one of the things we were discussing was um, when the market crashed, um, the the more you know everybody went into crisis mode, and when people go into crisis, they start figuring out how to manage it. And we started to see a lot of loan modifications happening. And we've still seen them. They still continue, you know, up until this date. And I think you know, in the very beginning of the of the crash, I was thinking about this, like people would go for so long, well, first of all, we saw banks disappear overnight right? <laughs> so suddenly, like, countrywide, just gone. Like, where'd they go? Nobody knows. <laughs> they just disappeared. So all those loans were absorbed somewhere, and they were, they ended up eventually, most of them being taking o- being taken over and serviced by Bank of America. Um, but when they, so what happened was you had all these people, you know, that had mortgages, and, but they had nobody to pay. Not that they could pay them anyway, but people were sitting there with Nothing going on. And so then something called NACA was created. We were discussing what NACA was. Uh, and so who, who remembers the acronym?
0: Hmm. I do. It's Neighborhood. Um, the Neighborhood Assistance <laughs> Company of America or yeah. Corporation of America. Yeah. <laughs>
1: assistance yeah (laughs) assistance frank says and neighborhood
2: assistance what did i say oh you said that i'm just i'm just just reiterating what you (laughs) said did i say that and i think i no tim i knew that but i think it sounds so ridiculous that i chose to forget
1: it (laughs) right (laughs) because what does that even mean neighborhood assistance it's
2: very misleading isn't it
1: it is very (laughs) misleading well because what does it sound like
2: uh, we're gonna help you go bankrupt
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah nice I, I don't job, know. Guys.
2: it sounds like a nonprofit
1: mm-hmm. it is a nonprofit and so if people can think back 10 years ago there would be <laughs> this like the NACA would show up at like a convention center in Ontario or in Los Angeles Orange County and they would say hey come here you know all the banks are gonna be here from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. and people would line up and, and they would wait like sometimes 14 hours hours to get in, to be able to be seen by their lender to attempt to get a loan modification. And the, we started really looking closely, I remember, because this is when we really got into the market in terms of buying. Uh, and I remember us looking closely at what the data was in terms of loan modifications and how successful they were, and the numbers were staggeringly low. They were very disappointing. Right. Right. And so there was there was fewer people that were actually getting approved very few people were getting approved for a loan modification and of the ones that were getting approved the a large percentage of those their mortgage payment went up. So it wasn't really assisting them but they would celebrate when somebody got a loan modification. Do you remember that? Do you remember oh, yeah. what they would do? They w- <laughs> Hi, this is Christian Rios. As many of you know, I've been a member of New Wealth Advisors Club for over seven years and got started when I was 17 years old with absolutely no real estate experience. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from being in the industry is the need for authentic relationships. If you're looking for an actual team locally in Southern California with all the resources needed to close deals, register for one of our free workshops by visiting www.joinnwac.com. Thanks for listening to the Flippin' Off podcast. Do you remember that? Do you remember oh, what yeah. they would do?
0: They they um, would take them up on stage, mm-hmm. and then cheer them on. Like
1: did up. they ring a bell? I don't remember. I feel like they, they a had bell. a bell. I'm, they did I, have yeah. a bell. Sito's saying yes. Did they had they had a, they had a yeah. bell. They rung. I remember that.
0: Yeah, and then they would also. Um, I remember one that I went to in in um, over in Ranch Cucamonga area, mm-hmm. Ontario area, and that they literally would take people up on a little stage area and. Celebrate. And celebrate, introduce them, you know, tell them that we just got this loan modification. It was it was wow. interesting. But in that, while we were there, because we were, um, back then, we, I think it was you and I, Kevin, we went and we went and served there. We, we volunteered mm-hmm. and spent five, six hours there. And I remember having conversations with other, um, you know, volunteers uh-huh. and come to find out that only, like. of the people that were there were going to get qualified. Mm -hmm. And out of those 25%, more than half were going to get qualified for a modification that their payment went up or they went from a 30-year loan to a 40-year loan Mm -hmm. with a big old balloon payment on the back. I mean, it ended up being um, these modifications weren't necessarily the greatest thing for the person that actually received it.
1: Mm Right. So then we fast forward. Right. They I think over time, though, maybe they got better at loan modifications. Well, then you had the bailout. So we had uh, keep your home, California, specifically in California. Then you had the HAMP program, uh, the federal program. And those, I think, were great programs for people until they have now ended. So they've they're completely gone. So those options are no longer available. Uh, and so now where are we? Where do we find ourselves right now? What are some of the indicators are, that we're seeing?
0: One big one is that NACA's back. NACA's back. <laughs> and they have um, they have a loan product now.
1: Yeah, they have a loan product.
0: That they're working with the banks on and, and they're, um, you know, it's like a subprime loan, which means that its um, interest rate is lower than the national... Um, Prime mortgage, right? Um, I don't know enough details to really talk about what the program actually is, but NACA is back, and they are partnering as a nonprofit with the banks to provide uh, a loan product.
1: Right, and we know we know th- we know some of the details of the loan product. We know number one, they they don't need to come in with any money down, yeah. so it's zero money down for um, home buyers, which is always a scary thing it's a dangerous place to be right because when people don't have skin in the game if they don't even if they don't have you know your basic three percent that you should need for a typical FHA loan they don't have that uh, and there's no credit requirements right so that's those are things that sound to me like you're putting people in a position uh, that to fail unfortunately i hate to say that and by the way i'm 100 percent in favor of home ownership as much as we can and i think the thing that bothers me about this is that they market it in a way that is you know everybody should have the opportunity to be a homeowner right which right. we all want to buy into that i mean of course we, we all want that but is that realistic not really yeah so it isn't realistic i don't think i don't i don't see that it's realistic so how um, or really, my question is why? Why are they providing this loan product where people come in with no money down, uh, no credit criteria, and giving them um, a loan that is under prime? So it's like at 4% or something. Yeah, so, four, four to four and a half. Right. So what, why? Why? Well,
0: I think that's a great question. And one specific question that I have is why wasn't it available – Five years ago when the prices were 30% cheaper, 40% (laughs) cheaper than they are today, why wasn't it available then? Why do we wait until the market is right at the very tip top before we allow people to borrow money to buy these houses and then market it in a way that it's the American dream and everybody should be qualified to buy these overpriced houses? This crazy
2: thought just crossed my mind, right? So... Banks have been sitting on inventory.
1: Yes, <laughs> right. And there's
2: a requirement by law for them to start releasing some of their inventory. Yes. Is it a coincidence that the new product shows up when they have to start releasing pro- uh, right. product or inventory at the, oh. top of the market?
1: Oh, it's in my. I head. don't know.
2: I'm just a thought, right? I, I'm not saying it's truth. No. It's just.
1: That's a, a great that thing to consider. That's a great consideration. I mean, yeah, the data is what it is, right?
0: If I was in that position, I would do that very thing. <laughs>
1: Because then you'd but then you'd be you'd be showing everybody your teeth, your shark teeth. I'm just saying.
0: I mean I'm being honest. Yeah. The, the truth is that if I was in that position, um it makes sense to, to do that from a business perspective. I get why the banks would do that, but I don't think it's necessarily right. Okay.
2: So so, so think of the storyline, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So NACA existed and it was supported by all of the banks mm-hmm. because they had representatives there.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: They set up a way of doing the modifications. Mm-hmm. Few people con- were considered, few people qualified. Right. Well, they set the groundwork. Hmm. Were they strategizing at that point? <sighs> Did they set the groundwork in preparation for what was to come? I mean, I don't know. It,
0: I'm, it I'm pretty sure they way. know the market like we do. Like Right. That. They, I'm pretty sure they knew that in 10 years the market was going to be right where it sits right now.
1: <laughs> you I, think?
0: I'm, I'm guessing the
2: statisticians <laughs> did.
1: Right. I'm guessing um, as well. So let's follow the storyline, Oscar. Right. Go ahead yeah. and play it all the way through. So the
2: storyline starts with NACA helping people. Mm-hmm. And he put
1: his fingers up in quotes, helping.
2: Quote, quote. Mm-hmm. They then transition to – the banks transition to new – ways of treating modifications and so forth because they were staffed up, they learned from their mistakes, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. NACA goes away.
1: Yep.
2: Now NACA is back when modifications are far and few in between. Yes. As far as necessary. Because the market has kind of reset itself.
1: Stabilized. Mm -hmm.
2: So homeowners have more equity in their properties. Yep. Property values have increased, specifically here in California. Right. They have increased dramatically from where they were Mm -hmm. eight years ago. Mm -hmm. So now it is prime time for them to release new products where if you're breathing and have a pulse, fog, and mirror, we can give you something, you don't need any money out of your pocket, and you can get that six hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Right. That you couldn't afford five years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And by the way, my customers are the people that lost their houses five years ago because mm-hmm. now I can forgive them because it's been five years. Right. It's been six years, it's been eight years. Yeah. Sometimes or, ten. or it's somebody who wants to refi.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yes. And and now has a new product available to them and they're gonna pull out money again. Right. Right. So it's history repeats itself is the way I see it. So the storyline really is kind of scary. It's kind (laughs) of creepy, actually. Yeah, it is. Right? How things have been manipulated and used to their advantage.
1: Are you saying that banks rule the world?
2: (laughs) I think you said that. So (laughs) I have to agree with you.
1: (laughs) I'm just backing you into the self-realization right here, right now. (laughs) One thing I
0: I heard Oscar say um, that I thought, that I think, is necessary to clarify. Well, one thing we're not saying is that NACA went away, like as in no longer. NACA's yeah. been around since I want to say 1988.
1: Okay, right. Um,
0: but we haven't heard about NACA for right. years. It's like right. they were they went quiet. It's yeah, they went quiet. Publicity so. went away. Yeah, publicity yeah. went away. It's like the product wasn't even available. Mm-hmm. Um, And not this loan, but NACA itself was not available to anybody. I
2: don't, I, not that I know of, not in my world. Well, we weren't
1: seeing them in, they were definitely not marketing themselves. They did not put themselves out there. Commercials
2: were gone. Right. Right. The radio commercials were gone. Everything was gone. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden they're back.
1: Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, what To save the day. To save the day. So it's, people have been priced out. And I was reading uh, an article and a woman was saying, you know, I lost my home in 2007. And she said, "I've been working and striving to buy a home again, and I'm ready to buy a home. And it's it's like my turn, my time, my time is here." And she waited in line at the NACA event for I don't remember. It was like 14 hours or something. Like she waited in line to get this product so that she could be a homeowner once again because she felt that it was she was it was her right, right? It was it was her absolute right to own a home, and she was going to wait in line for 14 hours to get free money not free money, but yeah, free money in essence. I hate to say that. Uh, and, and a home that, you know, no matter what her credit is, no matter whether she can afford it or not. And I, like, you know, it's such a double-edged thing because on, obviously, I want her to own a home. I I, I deeply do. But on the other hand, it's like, is she ready to own a home? Is she, you know, does she have what it takes to own a home? and all, And all of the responsibility that goes with real home ownership. You know, right, so so what do we do, guys? So what's the answer?
2: Hmm. be prepared. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, for me anyways, it's it's inform myself.
1: Hmm.
2: continue to, to build on my craft, continue to do the research, continue to follow what's going on in the market.
1: So you hmm. don't freeze.
2: <clears throat> don't freeze. As easy as it, it could it could be to um, feel afraid or stuck, right? I think it's, it's a matter of keeping your head on your shoulders straight, mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with the right people, right? So that you can have that support structure with you to be able to look at things from different perspectives that allows us to continue to move forward versus trying to work in a silo
1: alone. Mm. So. I actually think that is the perfect um, setup for our next podcast. <laughs> I think our next podcast is going to be specifically, what do you do emotionally uh, and financially and professionally when the market shifts like, what are the options? What do you do and what you don't do? So what do you guys think? Should we do that as our next podcast? Sounds like a really good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good idea. Okay. So stay tuned, guys. We're going to start talking. We don't want to leave you hanging uh, with, you know, bated breath. Like, what's going to happen? Well, we don't know what's going to happen. But we'll talk about what do we do uh, when the market does shift. How do we respond? So uh, let's see. NWAC, we are flipping out. I'm Melina Boswell, your host of The Flippin' Off Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we'd love for you to subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends all about us. You can find more episodes of The Flippin' Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you like to listen to awesome podcasts like this. If you like what you've heard, we'd really appreciate it if you'd follow us on Facebook and Instagram and tell us the stories that you'd like to hear. Tim Jackson is our senior producer. Luke Jackson is our editor, brothers. Josh Maldine is our producer. Sound design by Frequency Factory. Our executive producer is Mind & Mill. This was all created by Dave Boswell for New Wealth Advisors Club.